John chapter 5. We've been talking about the end times and we're up to, um, we've spent a few weeks on why I believe in a pre-tribulational view of the rapture and then um, now we're on um, kind of looking at some details about the rapture or building my case even for a rapture and a resurrection. Uh, John chapter 5 and verse 17 is where we're going to start. We're just going to kind of get a running start into this passage. John five seventeen says, But Jesus answered them and said, My father worketh hitherto, and I work. Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him, because he not had only broken the Sabbath, but he had also, uh, but said also that he was his father, making himself equal with God. So see, they understood. A lot of people today don't understand that Jesus uh, equated himself with God, but uh, they understood, and, and John understood. Of course, usually they want to throw John out completely, but uh, Jesus makes claim to deity. It's not something that's been trickled down through the ages, as, as Discovery Channel would like to tell you in History Channel. Jesus Christ claimed to be God because he was God. He's in pre-incarnate Christ. Uh, verse 19. So then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but um, what he sees the Father do. For what things soever he doeth, uh, these also doeth the Son likewise. For the Father loveth the Son, and showeth him all things that himself doeth. And he will show him greater works than these... Uh, that you may marvel. For as the Father riseth up the dead and quickeneth them, even so the Son quickeneth whom he will. Jesus is talking about the resurrection here. He says the, the Father's going to resurrect, or he's going to quickeneth, that make alive who he wants, and we know he does that through his Son, Jesus Christ. He resurrects him. He's in the grave three days and brings him back. And Jesus says, just as the Father does that, I'm going to be able to do that. I'll be able to raise whoever I want. He says, I can quicken whom I will. I can make them alive again. So Jesus is making this promise. One, I'm God. And two, I can raise the dead. Verse 2. For the Father judgeth no man, but he committed all judgment unto the Son, that all men should honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. He that honoreth not the Son honoreth not the Father, which has sent him. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. This person talking about being saved this is salvation. If you repent of your sins, realize you're a sinner, you repent of those sins and you trust in Jesus Christ to save you and Him alone, you've passed from death unto life. Now, we still may die physically. Uh, we know that there's a hope that some of us on the earth won't die when the rapture comes. Um, but uh, the stinger's gone. We, we don't fear it like we should. We still, it still, has, still hurts. We still cry and we, we mourn over lost loved ones who, uh, who died in their sin, or, or died. Um, but it's not the same. We've passed from death unto life. And we'll see ultimately through the resurrection... We're just asleep. The body, it looks like it's asleep. It'll be raised up again. Verse 25. It says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming, and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. Have you heard a voice? I did in 1978. In 1978, I heard the voice of God. I was dead. I was in my sins. I was in my trespasses. I was going contrary. Matter of fact, I was an enemy of God. That's what the Bible tells us. Um, I was guilty under the law. I realized that. I repented of my sins and trusted him Then I heard, when I heard his voice. When I, when I heard him, I passed from death unto life. I was dead. I was dead in my sins. I had the sentence of death upon me. I had hell as my future. But he called out and I heard. And when I heard, I repented and I trusted him. You know, how about you? I've heard it. And one day, if the Lord tarries and the Lord doesn't come back in my lifetime, I will die physically. And I'll be in the ground. And one day I'll hear his voice again. 
And I'll rise again when he says, Arise, my son. And I'll rise and I'll go to be with him and I'll gather with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so I will rise again. I've been dead and I heard him once. I'll, I might be dead and hear him again. He says here, he goes, The dead have heard. He said, The dead, let's read verse 25 again. Verily, verily, I say unto you, The hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God and they that hear shall live. Have you heard the master call? Verse 26. For as the father hath life in himself, so hath he given the son to have life in himself. He's a life giver. Verse 27. And he hath given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the son of man. Marvel not at this. For the hour is coming in the which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice. Verse 29. And shall come forth they that have done good unto the resurrection of life and they that have done evil and to the resurrection of damnation. He says, there's coming a time when I'm going to call, and he says, and every person, everyone who's ever died, all of them are going to come out of the ground. He says, some of them are going to be resurrected into life, and some will be resurrected into death. So there is a resurrection for everyone, some to life, some to damnation. Um, now some, you know, this is probably the only text that you could ever pull out to say that, oh, see, my good works, will, you know, if I do enough good, I'll be raised into life. If I do evil, I'll be in damnation. See, no, we only do good. The fruits of salvation is that you're able to do good. Good works cannot save you, can never can save you. Uh, whenever you have a scripture, like say if you take this text and you wanted to build a whole doctrine on it, you can't because there's too many other clear doctrines that say it's not by works. Think of Ephesians 2, 8, 9. It's not by works. Can you, we cannot be saved by works. There's not anything good that we do. There's nothing good in this. But because we are saved, we can do good works. But there are two resurrections. There's a resurrection unto life and the resurrection unto death. So which one are you in? Which one are you in? Uh, we will live forever somewhere. And we will live forever somewhere in a body. But now's the time to prepare. Now's the time to decide. Now's the time when we, we pick our destination. We can't wait till then. And the Bible teaches in the bodily resurrection. Ultimately, he says, there's going to become a time when everyone's going to stand before me. Everyone in their body. No one's escaping me. No one puts a gun to their head and escapes my judgment. Yet, how many people try to do that? How many people think that they can commit whatever crime they want and shoot themselves and, ha, 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 we've escaped judgment? No, they haven't. They might have delayed their judgment. They might have delayed the ultimate judgment. Um, but we know that we have from the bodies to be present with the Lord or to be absent from the bodies to be present in hell. And so there is a bodily resurrection. Jesus Christ is teaching that as early as John chapter 5. I look at John chapter 12. Can I ask one question about this passage? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's the call unto salvation. Where just uh, as when I said I was dead in my sin, okay. that those who would hear and believe, you know, that they are they were hearing and believing, passing from death into life. That's what I would think. Uh, chapter twelve, maybe you know, because they had passed the death unto life, and I, I and I would call them the wave sheaf, the first fruit that uh, Matthew. <laughs> 20 whatever uh, where, where it talks about when Christ died on the cross and he opened the graves and it said on, after he rose that they rose too and went into this in Jerusalem that yeah it, it may include those two that, that part of that wave sheaf uh, we'll get to them a little bit more later but yeah that's it very well may be uh, John chapter 12 <clears throat> verse 23 says and Jesus answered them saying the hour is come that the son of man should be glorified Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. He's alluding to his death here. He's he's alluding to how he's going to die, and he's going to rise again. But, uh, you know, it's it's true in farming. It's true in farming. It says, you know, if you take a grain, uh, you can't plant, you know, a a live, you can't take a, I don't think, 
think of corn. You know, you get a fresh ear of corn. You can't take it and plant that in the ground. It's just going to rot. You have to let it die first. That's why the farmers leave it. You know, there's probably find a few fields around here. I haven't looked, but there's probably a few. With the stalk still standing there. You know, the ear's no longer like this. It's hanging like this, and it has to dry out, and it dies, and then they can take that. Uh, some of it, yeah, they turn into food, but others, they save it for seed corn. It has to die first, and it goes in the ground, and then it brings forth much fruit. Uh, Jesus did that. He died, and he's brought forth much fruit. He's still bringing forth fruit for those who repent and trust in him. Uh, he, he is giving such an increase. And so he's using the example. Early on, he says, let me take you to horticulture. Horticulture. He says, you watch, you watch in, the, in, in just the plant life. It has to die first, and then it will bring forth fruit. He says, the same way with me. When I die, I'll bring forth fruit. And we'll see how all this ties in. Probably not today. <laughs> but to Romans chapter 8. But Jesus had to die for our sins. And then death has no more holds on him. Uh, same for us. Romans chapter 8. Romans 8 and verse 18. says, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. This is Paul. You think about his suffering. He talks about battling the beasts at Ephesus and how many times he was beaten, how many times he was stoned, how many times he was uh, in chains and prisons and shipwrecked. Uh, he's been you know, day and the night in the deep and we, all those things. He says, I don't think that'll even compare to what's going to be in glory. He says, I don't think you can. Verse 19. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willing, but by uh, reason of him who has subjected uh, the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Now he's getting pretty flowered, but he brings it down here in verse 22. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And we can agree with that. It stinks. It stinks being old. It stinks getting old. It stinks having things be so hard in verse 23. And not only they, but ourselves also. He's not just talking about the world. He's talking about us, which had the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. He's saying one day we're going to be redeemed. Not only will our spirits be redeemed. Yes, when I pass from death unto life spiritually, my spirit was made alive. It went from being dead to alive, and it will not die. I will not see hell. I will pass from this life. I'll enter to be into the presence of God, to be absent from the body, to be present with God. But he's also talking about Jesus Christ not only died to save our souls, he died to save our bodies. He also died to save the world. He's going to redeem the world as well. He's going to redeem the creation. All this creation that is groaning. One day there will be a new heaven, a new earth. All these things will be made new. Jesus Christ did more than just die for our souls. He is glorifying the Father by dying and redeeming everything. It says here that we are, are yearning for. It says our body groans for the redemption of our body. One day Jesus is going to come and save us. He's going to save us completely, body and soul. So We're going to be reunited together. Uh, this this body and our soul will be reunited and it will be in an incorruptible body. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Uh, don't go to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. That's the wrong one. <laughs> I'm reading it thinking, that's not it. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 1. It says, for what we know, that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. 
If it be, uh, if so be that the being clothed, we shall not be found naked. He's saying we have to be uh, reunited with our body. If not, we'll be naked. He says our, our we can't just be a spirit floating around forever. Our body and our, and our soul are going to be reunited. If not, he's, he compares it to being naked. Verse four: For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not for that would would be unclothed, but clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up in life. We're not going to fear death anymore. One day we're going to have a body that's a body unto life. Not a body that dies and wears out. Not a body that gets run down. Uh, picture Jesus Christ in your mind right now. Is he an old man? It's been 2,000 years. No, he is in a body that does not age. He, he went into the grave in one body. He came out in a new body. And that's the body that's promised unto us. As he is, so shall we be. We're not going to be God. But we'll have a body like him. We'll have a body like unto him. And I don't picture him as aging. I, don't think, I think he's as strong and as vital and as vibrant in life as he ever was. That's how we'll be. Picturing angels. Do angels get old? I don't picture angels get old. No, I picture them the same age forever. He says, we'll be made like the angels. You know, we'll be made like unto them. And we'll study that in detail later. But see, we're going to put on mortality. He says, if not, we'll be naked. Just a spirit floating around. We're not going to be a spirit floating around stroking a harp. We're going to have a real body. We are made for a real world. Not just some celestial place that we think about just being you know, all spirit and wind and, and whatever and light. No, it's going to be a real body. You'll have real flesh, real, real, you'll really live there in a real place. Verse 5, Now he that which wrought unto himself the selfsame thing as God, which has also given us the earnest of the Spirit. If you have the Spirit, it testifies to you that, yeah, that's true. Yeah, you have the down payment of the Spirit. He says if he started that transaction, he's going to finish it. He's the earnest. He's the down payment. He's the deposit saying, I will complete the work that has begun in you. And the work is not completed in you until you have your body and your soul reunited together. So one day it's coming. We, I like how you put it. We groan to be clothed. Our bodies yearn to be redeemed. See, we know it's not right. There's something about you that, and the older I get, and, uh, the more it's true, it's not right to have pain. You know, it shouldn't hurt when I walked a few blocks down to the lunch and come back. I sh- my leg shouldn't ache the rest of the afternoon. didn't used to, <laughs> but it does now. That's not right. And somebody said, that should, that should be right. I wish I could run like I used to and never even think about any of those things. But you shouldn't have to worry about your back and how you land or how you slept or how it went that way. There's something that says, that's not right. It should be just go and you do it. You know, it's not right to ache. It's not right for your teeth to fall out. <laughs> it's not, not right for you to have cavities and have it. Like, I want to enjoy those sweet candies. And, ah, you know, that's not right. It's not right for your gray, hair to go gray or to fall out or your eyes to dim. And you have to put in contacts or wear your glasses. It's just not right. There's something in you that says that's not right. This is, this is broken. That's not how it's supposed to be. It's not right for us to, to have bad health and, and, and to battle cancers that we've talked about or to battle tumors or to, to battle these things that we've prayed about but, you know, before the class time started. It's not right to die. You've never, I've never been to a funeral home where I went in there and said, yeah, this is right. No, you're just like, you're like no, this is wrong. Everybody there, they act shocked by it because it's just like it's wrong. You know, we're meant to live. See, we, we, we are meant for more. We groan for more. We're groaning for that body that which is promised to us is going to come. We're going to have a body that's going to live forever. We're going to have this body that will be redeemed. Christ died for that. And he says we will be made like him. Turn back to John chapter 6. John 6 and verse John 6 and verse 44 says no man can come to me except the father which has sent me draw him 
Let's talk about salvation. He's drawn to us. You know, he's, the word's being preached. You know, we know that from Peter, that God's long-suffering. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to salvation, that we should all should come to him. That's the, that's the perfect will of God. Not everybody does that. So no man should come to me except the Father draw him. The Father's drawing everyone. What's he use? He uses the stars. He uses creation, Romans chapter 1. He uses uh, that we know that we're going to die, that we know that we're going to stand before him. All these things that we all face every time we stand in a funeral home, that we've all been guilty before that. God's doing all that. He's drawing all men unto himself. But some of us hear that call. Some of us hear him. And when we, when we get that glimpse and we repent and we trust him, others just draw and like, i got to get for all the gusto I can. i got to live for all I can now. This is all there is. This is it. i got to live for my retirement. i got to live so I can live it up. i got to live now. Grab all the gusto. Drink all I can now. You know, Do whatever I can now. See, we either do one or one or two ways. He said, here, the Father's drawing us. And if we draw him and we repent and we trust him, he says, and I will raise him up in that last day. The ones who's drawn unto himself, he says, I will raise you up. I will resurrect you. You will have that, that, that groaning that your body's longing for. It will happen. I will satisfy it. It will come to be. Your, your body will be clothed in the resurrected body. I look forward to that. He says, uh, he's not finished. We are not finished being saved until we are raised up bodily. Look at Job. We'll go way back. Job chapter 19. Job 19 and, and verse 25. And the heat of the argument with his friends. But then Job 19, the oldest book in the, of the Bible. Written not too long after the flood. Job 19, verse 25 says, For I know that my Redeemer liveth. He knew that there was a Redeemer. He knew there was a promised one. He had heard the stories. He knew what had been promised Eve in the Garden of Eden. He knew it had been passed down through the line up until him. Uh, and so he knew. He says, I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. He already knew about him coming back the second time. He didn't even mention his first time. I know that he's going to come. I know that he's going to stand. We can read about him standing in Zechariah chapter 12 and others where he comes back and his feet touches the earth. In verse 26, the oldest, this is what always gets me, strikes me, the oldest book in the Bible, so this is going back to, this is right after the flood. He says in verse 26, And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God. He says he's going to resurrect this body. He's been dead a long time, and he's probably turned to ashes and to dust and to dirt and went back whatever, but God is able so don't be afraid, like, what about those who died in the towers and it grinds them into powder? Will God know how to sort them out? God knows. He's the one who made this world out of nothing. He can find one strand of DNA and put it all back together. And always wonder, what if you get ate by a fish? I don't, it's always, I don't want to die of something's food. But you know, <laughs> what, if you die and you're on the bottom of the ocean and you're swirling around and you're just totally decomposed, you're thinking, oh, no, what about them? God is able. He is able. He says, he knew. He says, yet my flesh shall see God. He will see in verse 27, whom I shall see myself, and mine eyes shall behold, and not another. He says, this body, that body that his, that he was standing there, and that body that died, he says, it will be raised again, and I will see him. It's going to be different, but there's a one-to-one correlation. The body that died is the body that rises. We're going to see that that plays through. Remember, Jesus said it was like a, a grain. Put it in the ground, it's going to come up, it's going to be different. But it's that one-to-one. It took that grain, and that grain sprang into something else. It's the same way. Jesus' body went into the tomb. One way, and he resurrected different. Was he the same? Yeah. But was he different? Yeah. Because see, it was, they, they would see him, they would talk to him, and they would know he was a man, and they were like, but they didn't recognize him until he revealed himself, didn't they? And then they're like, wait a minute, it is him. 
He was showing the scars. He was showing that. And they're like, that is you. So there's something that was related to him, that that was him. But it was different enough that they didn't know it was him. What else could his body do? He, he could eat. Praise God. We could eat in our, in our glorified body, right? He could eat. He could all of a sudden, he would be what? He was Think of the road to a maze. He's with him. He breaks the bread. They realize who he is, and he's gone. He disappears. He's able to travel someplace else. The angels kind of travel that way, too, how they're here, and they're gone, and they, they transport one place to another. Well, body will be able to do that. Uh, they're in a locked room. And Jesus was able to enter into that room. He, walls didn't mean anything to him. Well, it would be nice knowing that we don't have to have any hindrances. Any, it, where, we, where we will, we'll be able to go. He says, so it's different. It's the same. One body went in, a different body came out, and it says we'll be made like that body. He says here that he will see in his, his body. He will see in my, in my eyes, not another. Though my reins be consumed within me, that means though I am rotten. Everything that though that reins means his inward parts, his guts, all that is rotten and gone, he says, he will do it. And if he had that kind of confidence, what about us? He wasn't embalmed. He's not a mummy, but you know, he will be able to do it, whether you're cremated or whether you're buried in the casket. Um, normally, as we go through the scriptures, there's usually a, a respect to the body that's given. Um, as we'll see, normally most graveyards used to be that they were bodies were buried pointing to the east because Jesus Christ is going to come in the east. Uh, there was a rhyme and a reason. All these were little sermons preaching that you could go by on the road and say, see, oh, hey, Dad preached that sermon as a young boy. They're facing the east because he's coming in the east. And it strikes me. I look for graveyards and I think, heathen graveyard? They're all facing the wrong way. Don't they know he's coming? It doesn't matter which way we're facing. We're all going to see him still, but he's facing that way. Mount of Olives, uh, Angel, you've been there. Um, there's a graveyard on top of the mountain. They want to be the one that he touches when he comes down. doesn't matter if I'm here or if I'm in Kentucky or <laughs> Morgantown or Martinsville, wherever I'm buried. Uh, he's going to see me. I'm going to go. I pray that I'll be here when he's alive. Um, <laughs> that's what I'm rooting for. Um, but if, if I'm dead and rotten, I, we will get to be able to see him. I turn to Second Corinthians. You got something to do with it. Twenty-three says, "Oh, that my words were now written! Oh, that they were printed in a book, that they were graven in iron and pen and lead and a rock forever." I guess he got his answer. <laughs> he did. Yep. Oh, I also like that. Yeah, he even knew they were written down, and here they are. That's right. So, be careful what you ask for. <laughs> yep, thanks, Doug. Yeah, and so he's still he's still gaining reward too for his uh, for his faithfulness. And I thank God for Job. Second uh, Corinthians, chapter twelve, and we'll this will be a foretaste for next week. Second <laughs> Corinthians twelve and verse two. Ah, did it again in first Corinthians. Second Timothy, Second Corinthians twelve. Second Corinthians twelve and verse um, two says, "I knew a man in Christ above fourteen years ago. Whether in the body I cannot tell, or whether out of the body I cannot tell." It says God knoweth. Such an one caught up to the third heaven, uh, the third heaven. So there's the heaven in the Bible. That's the sky. That's the first heaven. That's where the birds and, and trees grow up to there. Then there's the second heaven, which is space. That's where the satellites are and the moon and the planets are. And the third heaven, that's the dwelling of God. It talks about heaven, so you always kind of have to look when they're talking about, oh, they're in the heavens. And Which heaven are they talking about? The first heaven, the second heaven, or the third heaven? Uh, Paul here is being kind of, he's talking about himself. He was caught up into the third heaven. And he saw things. 
but he wasn't allowed to pin them. And I go here first because Paul's going to give us some details that we don't have anywhere else. I think Paul has those details because he was taken up to the third heaven. He saw things that nobody else saw. Uh, verse 3. And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell God knoweth. And he's saying, I don't know if it was a dream, I don't know if it was a vision, whether I was transported there, whether I was taken there. Uh, we know in John, uh, in Revelation chapter 4, that he was taken up and he was able to see things throughout the future. I don't know if he had the same trip or what. Verse 4 says, And he was caught up into paradise. I tend to think he went because he uses the same phrase as caught up. As it talks about the harpazos, it talks about even in, um, in other places he was taken away. He was caught up into paradise, and he heard unspeakable words, which is not lawful for men to utter. He says, I'm not allowed to tell you. I heard things I wish I could tell you. I saw things I wish I could tell you. But brother, it is different. Uh, Paul lived a different life than most men, didn't he? I think he saw what it was. He said, he goes, it is I, he goes, it is, I cannot even hold a candle to the things that I'm doing, whether I'm being beaten or whether I'm being stoned, whether I'm being attacked by animals or shipwrecked. It's worth it for the glory. We read that verse earlier. He said, it's worth it for what's going to come. And he's trying to tell us, here's the little foretaste. It's worth it. It's worth it. He's worth it. I don't think Paul had one regret. I think his regret was probably that he would have done more to live as Christ. Or to, live, to, to live as Christ, to die his gain. He didn't fear death when they put his head on the chopping block and they brought down the X upon his neck. I bet he was smiling from ear to ear. He knew where he was going. He knew who had died for him. And he says, and I am yet one born out of due time, not fit to be called an apostle, but praise God I am. He said, because Jesus Christ met me and he changed me. Have you met him? Has he changed you? If he has, we ought to be living differently. We ought to be living like Paul. He, he saw something. He saw something different. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. First Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9 says, and I think he probably has this in mind. First Corinthians 2 and verse 9 says, But it is written, I has not seen, nor ears heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. He says, imagine the best thing you can imagine. It's better. <laughs> Listen to the best story you've ever heard or the best preacher talk about you or whatever it is. It's better. Read David Jeremiah. You can read Matthew Henry. You can read all these guys. It's better. Read Tim LaHaye. And look, it's better. It's better. We can't even imagine. It's that much better. In verse 10 he says, But God hath revealed them to us by the Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. You want to know? You want to get a glimpse? You want to have a, at least a hint of understanding? Study the Scriptures. Read. That's how the Spirit talks to us. That's how He teaches us. I think we can look at this broken world, this world that's been damaged by sin, this world that's been damaged by the flood, and we can see the beauty in it. What was it like before the fall? What's it going to be like when it's restored to as it was supposed to be? When it's paradise again, when it's uncorruptible, uh, when there is nothing that's broken down, when there's no death, there is no disease, there is no danger. I can't imagine a world like that. I've never been in a world like that. I know I long for a world like that. I know my body groans for a world like that. I groan for not having to worry about when my kids go out on the road. I, worry, I long for a world where I can just rest and trust Him and just know that He's able. And that way, I do that now. But I still have that reserve because He's the only one I can trust. I'm like, Lord, I'm, I, they're in Your hands. But man, what's it going to be like when it's there? And we know and we can see and we have no fear and we have no doubt. See, I think Paul had seen and Paul believes in the bodily resurrection. Let's just at least get a foretaste of it. First Corinthians 15. Where I was wanting to land, and I was going to draw you pictures, and but we'll do that next week. First uh, Corinthians fifteen and verse twelve. 
we'll kind of get the running start in it, and then uh, you can have a week to chew on it, and we'll come back and go into detail. First uh, Corinthians 15, and it starts out with the gospel, and you get down to verse 12, he says, Now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? He's like, if Christ didn't raise again, you know, it's, it's bad. You know, he rose again. Verse 13, but if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. He says, if there is no resurrection, there was none for him. There's none in the future. But his case is that Christ rose. You know, that, that's one of the things that struck me the most, uh, at least in my uh, adult Christianity. I uh, was reading um, More Than a Carpenter by Josh McDowell. And I get to the chapter where it talks about the transformed lives of the disciples. They saw something. And then the case that he plays forth in there, it's an you know, easy little book, simple little chapter. It's like, man, they saw something. They're cowards hiding in the upper room one day, and the next day they're beating them, and they cannot keep them from, from, from talking about Jesus Christ and talking about his resurrection. Paul, you know, they beat him, and they bruise him, and they, they threaten him, and yet he still talks about him. And they're singing in their prisons, and they're doing what? Because they'd seen the resurrected Christ. Christ had risen. He'd risen indeed, and he was seen by 500, that's what the first part of chapter 15 talks about, 500 witnesses, um, and all those that saw him. Verse 14 says, and if Christ be not risen, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is also in vain. If he didn't rise again, there's no hope for us. There's no hope for us, and this is all just a sham, this is all just a waste. Uh, he'll tell us, eat, drink, be merry, because tomorrow you're going to die. This is as good as it gets. This is heaven on earth. But it's not. That's a lie. Verse 15. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified to God that he raised up Christ, whom you say he hath not raised up, if it be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is Christ not raised. If Christ be not raised, then your faith is in vain, and yet you are in your sins. If he didn't raise again, we are still in our sins. We are still guilty before God. Hell is our destination. That's all we have to look forward to. Verse 18. Then they which also are fallen asleep in Christ... Are perished. There's no hope for all those who believed in vain before. He says, if, if there's no resurrection, anybody else who, who's already believed in him and died, there's no hope for them. You know, it's just, uh, that's what the world always wants to tell you. Well, you can wish whatever you want. Uh, your truth is your truth. No, that's a lie. There's either truth or there's a lie. And he's saying, if there, there is no resurrection, then there's, there's, none of this matters. Verse 19. And if in this, only life we ha- and in this life only we have hope in Christ, then we are all men most miserable because we torment ourselves. We, our conscience nags us when we sin because we are miserable thinking that there is a Christ. And if we just say, well, if it just helps in your life, that's a good crutch to get you through, it just makes us more miserable. I know any time I sin, it puts more conviction on me. It would be better if I just said, you know, damn my conscience and just live however I want and just please myself and do whatever. He says, but that makes us miserable to think that we're living like this and it's for naught. He says, no, but there is a resurrection. Verse 20, but now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that sleep. He says, he has risen. He, he is the first fruits of them which sleep. Uh, and you say, well, wait a minute, there are more that rose again. You know, what about the guy in the Old Testament and the kid and, and Lazarus and those, Jairus' daughter and all those? They all died again. <laughs> it's not in Scripture, but the but tradition says that Lazarus never smiled again. He knew, he knew he had to die one more time. I don't know if it's true or not. It kind of makes me laugh, I think. about. It. But, you know, the, he knew he had to face it again. But Jesus Christ was raised in a body that will not die again. He will not die. He doesn't fear death anymore. That sin's been paid for. It's been taken care of. He, he, has, he has, it has no more dominion over him. As, as the way the scripture went. I wish I had it right here. I have it in my notes, but not in my notes right here. Um, it has no more dominion over him. Verse 21. For since by man came death... By man also came the resurrection of the dead. He's going to make, Paul does this a lot. He'll say, if this is true, then this is true. 
He's going to take us back through Adam. Through one man, Adam, he sinned and plunged us all into death. Through this man, Jesus Christ, the second Adam, and many believe that Jesus Christ's body was much like Adam's body. They think that Adam was, was perfect when he was made, and he could have stayed in that perfection if he'd have passed the test or whatever, then he'd let him have access to the tree of life, and then he'd have been living in a perfect body forever. Jesus was given that same body. Jesus did not sin, but yet the sin of the world was placed upon him. I believe he still bears the scars because they're precious to him because it's our payment. It bears mark that the price had been paid. I think that's why he has those scars. Uh, and so but there's the first Adam, which is Adam, and the second Adam is Jesus Christ. And that he was also, as, as first Adam plunged us into sin and death, the second Adam, if you repent and trust him and you're in his family, he will give us life everlasting because of what he has done. Just as we are in Adam's family because... Physically, we were born. If you're in the second Adam's family, if spiritually you're born, if you repent and trust Christ as Savior. And so he makes this argument. He does it more than in just 1 Corinthians. I think he also does it in Romans. Verse 22 says, For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. You know, it didn't take me much faith to think that we're going to die. <laughs> One day I counted how many graveyards I passed between my house and church. You know, you think of all the little ones in the cornfield, the little ones in the... I pass quite a few graveyards just between here and there. There's a lot of death that goes on. When I go to work, hard telling how many graveyards I see. And one, one time I counted all those. I said, there's a lot of death. I don't have any trouble thinking that I'm going to die because of my sin. I don't think, have any trouble believing I'm going to die because of Adam. I should have no problem believing that I'm going to rise again because of Jesus Christ. He is better than Adam. <laughs> He is, he is better, his, and he is more true, he's more honest, and this is a more precious promise. Verse 23, but every man in his own order. Christ, God is orderly. God does nothing, he's not a chaotic, he does everything orderly. Christ, the first fruits, afterwards those that are Christ at his coming. Uh, I believe, as Angel made the reference earlier, I think Christ rose again. After he rose again, I think there was that little handful of believers that went into the villages, that he went with them. And then there's going to be us, the main, just as the first fruit is a, is a feast, and it was the first handful given to the priest that God would say, yes, I accept this payment. Yes, I accept this. I will then give you the bounty of the harvest. I believe we're the harvest. I believe since that the resurrection, the harvest has been coming in, that the Christians have been added to the body of the Christ daily, that one day at the end gathering that we talk about in 1 Thessalonians 4 and 2 Corinthians chapter 2, that we are gathered together unto him, there is the main harvest. We gather unto him, and then the Christ receives us unto himself. And I believe those that get saved after us would be like the ingathering or the, uh, like what Ruth was doing in the book of Ruth where the, hand, the, the ones that were left over that she was able to glean. That will be the leftovers uh, that are added to the faith. And so Christ, the first fruits, afterwards them that are Christ is coming. Then cometh the end. It's after all that. So Christ and his coming and the resurrection, that's not the end, it's later. The end comes later. And he shall deliver up into the kingdom, even the Father, which he hath put down all rule and authority and power. For he must reign till he hath put the enemies under his feet. He's going to do that. He's going to defeat the devil. He's going to defeat the Antichrist. He's going to defeat the false prophet. He's going to defeat the demons. He's going to defeat all that. He's going to defeat the world and the world powers and the flesh. He's going to defeat all that. And there's the last enemy, verse 26. And the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. See, we'll get a resurrected body, and one day death will pass. We'll have to fear it no more. I can't imagine what that's like. I can't imagine not fearing death. I can't imagine not hearing stories of a young baby dying. I can't imagine having a young story of someone else. I can't imagine that, but that's going to be our life from then on. No more fear of death. No more fear of dying. No more fear. And then he'll put all things under his, his feet, as it goes on to say. Um, then he uses a comparison that we'll get to next week. We've already gone over. Um, so we'll pick up, and so I recommend that you read 1 Corinthians 15 all the way to the end. Um, but, I just heard you all close your Bible. I was going to tell you one more. 
as, as I was mentioned about um, um, Paul had been translated to the third heaven and he'd, he'd seen things and then how he lived his life and he was zealous. And Paul's going to go through here and I believe you cannot get to verse 35 in here and don't believe that Paul believes in the bodily resurrection of the believer. That's his whole case. He's like, there, what hope is there without the bodily resurrection? We're going to be resurrected. And we've already seen that Christ has talked about the bodily resurrection. And it's a promise that he's going to redeem us and that our body groans for it and that it's going to happen. And Paul lived differently. When he gets to the end of his case, of chapter 15 and verse 58, he says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I believe that was his song on his lips as he was laying down his life. and They, they, they beheaded him there in Rome. He was like, ah, oh, I was steadfast. He was unmovable. And he wanted to make sure that he was always abounding in the work of the Lord. So should we be. So should we be. And so let's strive to do that more in this coming year. So we'll we'll take up there uh, next week, and uh, I'll try to have a handout then too.